Just a quick content warning before we start, this episode of The Filmmaker's Basement does contain discussion of sexual assault. Viewer discretion is advised. The Film Basement is filmed in sunny West Hartford, Connecticut, in front of a live studio audience. Welcome to the Filmmaker's Basement, uh, where we have seen possibly one of my favorite movies this year. I'm Brandon. I'm Andrew. And we're going to be talking about some movies that came out this week, uh, in addition to playing a game show later on, and then talking about some of the stuff that's coming out next week. And on that topic, uh, I got to see the movie I've been most excited about this year, and that was pretty good to me at least. Dune, Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. So I think this is actually the best adaptation of Frank Herbert's work we could have gotten. Um, he's, a, again, very prolific author who's who wrote Dune and all the other Dune sequels that came after it, influenced a ton of other science fiction properties that came after that. Um, only problem with this trying to adapt this movie essentially is that it is an incredibly dense work and that's why it's kind of like floundered beforehand and with a lot of people saying you can never make a dune movie um and i think actually denise villeneuve did a great job of like taking the essence of frank herbert's book splitting it into one part and making something that's actually pretty accessible for people to uh, go and see at least from my own perspective because I know, Andrew, you went and saw this. You have a little different opinion on that. Yeah, it's the first movie we both saw on the opening weekend just because it's, you know, it was a big movie coming out. So I was like, oh, I'll go see it. It's got a good cast. That's the one thing that I will say about it. It's a great cast. Like, there's a lot of high-profile actors and actresses in this movie. And I just didn't get it. Like, mm. I'm... I'm watching it, and I, I don't know the source material for Dune. I never read the book. I never saw the original adaptation of the movie that came out uh, in, like, the 80s or whenever it came out, the 90s. So I just didn't understand, like, some of the verbiage that they were that they were talking about, and they don't really go into any explanation yes. about anything. So, so like, mm-hmm. it was just I, – I was just supposed to kind of be like – okay, I guess I'm just going to accept it and uh, yep. let's move on into the into this next part. So, and, so what I will say is, as someone who has read the book, this is the most accessible version of Dune that exists. And I know that's not a satisfying answer, but that's kind of the problem with Dune, like I was saying. It is an extremely dense book. I think it's about seven or 800 pages, and those seven or 800 pages feel like 1,600 pages. Because there is just a lot going on in this novel. There are a lot of different perspectives we are cutting to, a lot of different people's thoughts we are seeing at the time. Um, one of the phrases from the book that always stuck out to me is that this is a book about plans within plans within plans, wheels within wheels turning at all times. And that's kind of the problem with how... That's kind of my main problem with this movie is that it is split into two parts, and that's going to lead into why it's not nearly as successful as it should, and why I also think that this is the most successful version of Dune out there, too. Kind of in a contradicting way. Frank in Dune doesn't really explain a lot of what's going on. Frank Herbert, the author of Dune, of course. He kind of leaves you as the reader to figure out what's going on in the book. For for instance, figuring out what the Bene Gesserit witches are. They're a collective of women who essentially kind of rule the galaxy behind the scenes of a lot of the great families they're kind of 
twisting people, pushing them in certain directions, and also genetically manipulating people to form essentially this perfect human being that can see into the future and do all these other things. But Frank never outright says any of this. He kind of leaves you to figure that out. I did kind of get that because like mm. there's parts in the movie where she's visiting multiple people and uh and different houses who are essentially not uh friendly to each other so yeah. I'm like oh they're playing both sides. Yes. Um but the only thing that they want is for uh their um fellow cohort who is a part of this house uh Atreides um and then her son to be spared so like that's their whole thing is like oh we want the the our person and her offspring to yes. be good and everyone else fuck them because paul so, is like, essentially this messiah figure who can see mm -hmm. into the future and he has all these abilities that no one else really has and that's that comes up a lot later in the book unfortunately more more of that comes up later in the book as we understand paul's fate and where he's going Unfortunately, we didn't get to that in the first part of the movie, and that's what I think is going to be a problem coming when mm. this movie comes out in the second part, is that when people do go and see it again, they're not going to rewatch the first part before they do that, and as a result, they're going to be completely lost as to where what's happening in the movie. Not to say that the first part isn't really difficult to understand, too. Mm -hmm. I can understand that, but it wasn't something I noticed going into it, because, again, I've read the book a lot, so I know a lot of this stuff. But uh, that that kind of leads into the other stuff that I wanted to talk about, which are some of the instances where I think they actually, them holding back information actually worked. And that's another good example of it. Um, with the scene with the gum Jabbar. So for those who haven't seen the movie, there's the scene where Paul's essentially called in front of this woman who seems to be so much more powerful than anyone he's ever met before. Like she literally speaks and he kneels before her in an instant, unable to control his own body. He commands she commands her his own mother to do things it's wild she introduces herself as this like leader person and essentially tells paul to stick his hand in this box and paul does it against his will essentially for and and no and no explanation of to what's exactly. what is the box and then it's out just, of put no, your hand in the box and then out okay. of nowhere she pulls out this needle sticks it up against his neck and says hey this is the gom jabbar if you pull your hand out of this box, I'm going to poke this into your neck and you'll die instantly. Just do it. And that's actually, this is a great example of how this is used in the book. Because you are with Paul in this moment. You have no idea what's happening. You don't know what he's going through. And all of a sudden, he's in a horrific amount of pain. But he cannot move. He cannot pull his hand out of this box or else he will die. And you do not know why. You just have to essentially trust this weird woman who's causing Paul all this pain and just hope that nothing bad happens to him. And eventually he succeeds. He realizes that it's all in his head. And he's like, okay, I can win this. I can win this lady. And he pulls his hand out of the box. And she explains to him, congratulations, you're a human now. A human who can control his own emotions and is not, like, afraid. And not realizes that pain is in your head. And is that's the other thing. They kept using the word human. Yes. Like, which, which is just weird. Because, like, in, so, if, you watch, if you watch Star Wars, they're... They're not humans. They've never. They never in Star Wars do you hear the word human. Yes. They are humanoid people. Like so, like mm -hmm. they are in fact just they're aliens, but they are humanoid where they have limbs mm -hmm. and you know like so that's the thing. They're like humans, but everyone, like, these are everyone humans? in this movie. Everyone in this movie is a human. However, what she, so this is another bit of context that's a little bit missing from the book, and it it's something that again didn't come up as much in the movie, mainly because 
they didn't have the time for it probably because there's a lot of stuff they didn't have the time for to get to in this movie essentially the Bene Gesserit don't see all humans as human there are humans and there are animals essentially animals are mm. people who cannot control their emotions mainly men and could essentially if they were to put their hand inside the box and try to face the Gamjabar, they would die they would not succeed Paul was able to control his emotions and realize that this is just a this is just pain. This is not I'm not physically being harmed in any way shape or form. I can just feel the pain happening to me. I can control this emotion and I can suppress it. And as a result, he is a human because he controls his, his own fear, which is something that is unfortunately missing from the movie as well. But like I said, it's dense. There are things that are not going to be able to there are things that are going to be able to make it in and things that aren't going to be able to make it in, but Unfortunately, that is not one of those things that entirely made it in. Um, I will say there is another scene. I think they actually do use this really well, too. And that's with the bull being referenced throughout the movie. I don't know if you noticed mm -hmm. that going in. Mm -hmm. um, so in the books, Leto's father, um, I had a grandfather. I don't really remember his name. He kind of had this passion for bullfighting in his youth. As this And as this like king ruler figure, too. He played this very dangerous sport where he'd fight bulls. One day, it backfired on him so horribly that he died. And as a result, a young man who's entirely unprepared for the throne, Leto, was thrust into this position of power recklessly without any experience or training of how to be in this position. And that this plays into one of the themes of Dune, which is don't trust your leaders. And I know that sounds bad, but hear me out. Uh, one of the big things of Dune, like, like I said, one of the big things of Dune is trusting your leaders. All of the leaders presented in Dune are bad people. And that's actually one of the things I wish was played up a little bit more, especially with Leto. The Baron Harkonnen, for example, he's this horrible figure that kind of sparks a lot of these events that happened to Paul and his mother being exiled into the desert. He's a horrible man. He is horrible in every way, shape, and form. He inflicts pain on all the people around him. He is sinful in every possible way imaginable. He's not someone who should be in a position of leadership and should not, he should not have his power, but nobody questions it. Because he's the leader, and that's somebody who should be... He's apparently the person who should be in charge. Is that Stellan Skarsgård's yes. character? Yes. Okay. I also didn't understand how he was just floating everywhere. I thought his legs were really long. No, no. so if, in the books, he has this kind of... He essentially floats around. He has this suspenser technology. You kind of see mm -hmm. it in later parts of the movie, too. If you look on the back of his neck, there's a glowing red thing. And whenever yeah. he essentially lifts off, that is that go starts glowing red. And I actually like that. I think it added a really nice, like, ghostly touch to him. Because he is kind of this specter, like, crawling along the Imperium, mm -hmm. spreading decay and disease wherever he goes. Um, but going back to what I was saying about those, like, bad leaders, essentially, not trusting them, Paul's, uh, Paul's grandfather is a great example of that. He's this person who should not have been in this position of power, but he was put into it anyways, and as a result, he died... And he thrusted someone who was entirely unprepared for the position into that role and put his entire kingdom at risk as a result. And that's kind of where Paul is going. I won't give spoilers, but that is kind of where his path leads down. Mm -hmm. But what I think wasn't as great was the fact that they didn't give Leto as much like time to develop that into his character. Because that is very present in the book. Specifically in that he is very image-focused. He is focused on how people perceive him. Not, like, ruling, essentially, but, like, how he is perceived as he rules. There's a great example of this in the book, where the minute he lands on Arrakis, his first worry isn't that the entire planet is a booby trap, essentially, for him and his people. That 
he has to get spice manufacturing back online. His first worry is, how is my public image doing? He talks to his PR people the second he arrives on the planet. Little things like that that I wish were in the movie and I think would have added more to his character because he's not a good ruler. He's not, he's bad at his job because he's not focused on ruling. He's focused on how he looks. So that's one of the things I kind of wish they'd played up a little bit more. I do think they did an all right job with it keep by referencing the bull. I think if they had a scene like the PR scene, it would have been even more effective because it shows that like, oh, I fall like Leto has fallen into the trap of his father, essentially being a terrible leader and really not like being fit for that role. But overall, I still think this is the most accessible version of Dune. Like it, and I think for what it is, it did a good job, at least from my own perspective of capturing what I would have wanted in a Dune movie. I do hope that when part two comes out, like maybe they'll do some kind of release where part two, one and two are combined into one. I know that's a lot, that's a lot, and that's a very long movie as a result, but I think that will do it a lot more justice, as opposed to being split into two very indistinct parts. Um, but yeah, I would say, at least, if you've read the book, definitely go see it. This will be the best adaptation you will probably get of this book. And if you haven't seen it, um, maybe wait for the second yeah, part. if you haven't out. read the book, just wait for the second one. You might want to like, wait. You'll spend three hours going... What am I watching? Like what? I still I'm think confused. to a degree you can pick up on some. Of you the can stuff pick up on a lot on of it. context clues. Like I picked up on a lot of context clues. Yeah, but I was like, like half the time I, I didn't understand the verbiage. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I couldn't understand what they were saying. Yeah. I, uh, uh, if you're gonna watch it, go watch it on HBO Max because it's on HBO Max, and that's what I should have done. Mm -hmm. uh, because then I could have watched it with subtitles. Yeah. Uh, instead, I went to the movie theater because I was like, oh, I got a reservation available to use for AMC. I'm gonna go see it on the big screen. And I was then I and then I realized like uh, at the end of the movie when I was looking up online information about it, I'm like, oh, it's on HBO Max. Why the hell did I just do that? Mm. So, uh, yeah, watch it on HBO Max if you want. I mean, it's it's a good movie. Like it's got a lot of action sequences in it. Like I liked a lot of the action sequences and, they, and like they were the story very... to it was good. But it's just like. It's a sci-fi movie with not a lot of explanation. So, like, yeah. there's not a lot of exposition, which uh, is a is a gripe with a lot of people where they want exposition or they don't want exposition in movies because they want to figure that's out for themselves. But for a big sci-fi epic like this, you kind of need some exposition. Either that uh, or the second part to be out already, because I do yeah. think that will help a lot. Well, so we're I, I wanted to I'm glad that we're doing Dune this week and mm -hmm. then my movie this week because my movie came out last week uh, that I went and saw. But now we're caught up because yes. what I've planned on doing from here on out is mm -hmm. is putting out the podcast on Fridays. So like when we go to see like, hey, what's our next movies coming out? Those Perfect. will be the movies that come out that weekend. Anyway, um, I went and saw the last duel uh, yesterday. So I watched two movies this week. So. Um, Jean de Carouge is a respected knight known for his bravery and skill on the battlefield. Jacques Legree is a squire whose intelligence and eloquence makes him one of the most admirable nobles in court. When Legree viciously assaults Carouge's wife, she steps forward to accuse her attacker, an act of bravery and defiance that puts her life in jeopardy. The ensuing trial by combat, a grueling duel to the death, places the fate of all three in God's hands. This movie... If you haven't gone to see this movie and you are a film major mm -hmm. or if you just like the way that movies are made and you like that kind of aspect to it, 
you have to go see this movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a film major, but I like watching how movies are developed and if they have a nice story to them. This movie was amazingly told. Mm-hmm. So the movie is told in three chapters. The first chapter, uh, and, it, and it has title card at the beginning of each chapter. So it says chapter one. And then the first chapter is titled The Truth According to Jean Carouge. And oh. then it plays through some of the movie. Okay. The second chapter is The Truth According to Jean, uh, Jacques Legree. And then the final chapter is uh, The Truth According to Marguerite Carouge, who is the, the woman, the Jean Carouge's wife. And then as it says The Truth According to uh, Marguerite uh, Carouge, everything else fades out except for the truth so like in every in every other chapter all the words fade out at the same time but in the final chapter uh for uh marguerite carouge every every word fades out except for the truth so it's kind of ridley scott's way of saying that you know this is what really happened so it's kind of like rashomon where you're like you're seeing this the same story but it's told from different perspectives every time you go into it and it's amazingly edited and and directed and acted because there are scenes in every single chapter Mm -hmm. or in two chapters um that are the same scene but they're acted differently okay so the best example I can give is in uh, the truth accord in chapter one uh, for Jean Jean Carouge, the story where um, his wife Marguerite tells him that she was raped, and there's a lot of excuse my language, but there's a lot of it's a, it's a movie about rape. It's a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. say the word. So in that chapter. When she tells him that she was raped, she's uh, visibly upset. She's crying. Um, and Jean is uh, very consoling. And she, he asks her, like, he picks her up by her shoulders and says, are you telling me the truth? And mm-hmm. is, like, kind of yelling. And then just hugs her. And, and as to, like, console her. And then when you get to the third chapter, where it's told from Marguerite's perspective. She's not visibly upset. She's not crying, but Mm -hmm. she wants to tell him what happened. And she tells him what happened as an act of kind of bravery Mm -hmm. and and an act of like, no, I'm going to tell you this, what happened. When she does that, he gets visibly upset. And instead of picking her up by the shoulders, he grabs her by the throat and asks, are you telling me the truth? Are you telling me the truth? And just starts choking her. And is just just visibly mad and angry. And kind of just throws her down. And instead of consoling her like he did in his version. He basically says, get over here. We're going to have sex because Jacques Ooh. Legree is not going to be the last person... Uh, to know to know your insides pretty much oh my and i'm God. just like whoa 
so like i was like wow like that is a that is a left turn uh, from from the first pretty chapter horrifying because one of the other things that happened was in the in the first chat in the best way to describe it is is in the in the first chapter to the third chapter mm -hmm. because um they're you know they're husband and wife so like a lot of their scenes are the same mm -hmm. so like in one of the scenes like when he comes back from war uh she is very happy to see him and she hugs him and he hugs her and and you know it's all like wonderful and everything mm -hmm. and then in the third chapter he comes home from war and she's wearing this new dress that she bought which is a very low cut dress so her uh, bosoms are pushed up a mm -hmm. little and in the 1300s that's really not kind of allowed um yeah. so like he is visibly pissed and just like blows by her without like saying anything or touching her or anything so it's a very it was so well like directed and acted and how the scenes are the same scenes but they're different um mm -hmm. and i loved it it's a uh you'll like it if if you like a period piece uh because it is it's a period piece it's based in 1300s medieval it's got this mm -hmm. like game of thrones lord of the rings vibe to it without the fantasy mm -hmm. so it has a lot of uh, it, it does have some war aspects to it from that medieval time period where it's bloody, it's gory. The uh, the duel to the death is obviously very, like, gory and, like, very well done and well well written. And it's it's kind of just the, the way that Ridley Scott does things. Because, like, he makes great movies. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he's a really good screenwriter. And, well, he didn't screenwrite this one, but he's a really good director. And I was surprised to find out that the screenwriters, two of them for this movie was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Matt Damon? Matt Damon, who starred in the movie as Jean de Carouge. Huh. Uh, he, he wrote the, the adaptation for it. And I along with assumed. Ben Affleck, who was also in the movie, um, which, yeah, it's, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it's great getting to the more unpleasant things about the movie. Mm -hmm. So, let me ask you actually because sure. i think Go you're going first. there anyways yeah. but uh-huh so how do they handle the topic of the rape because that is so, a very sensitive thing to be watching up. watching someone get raped yeah. on a big screen is very uncomfortable yeah i'm kind of glad i went alone and not with like a date mm. or like with someone else because uh, i don't mind going to see movies alone uh that's how i kind of de-stress but watching someone get raped um not once but twice mm -hmm. because it's told from jacques legree's perspective and marguerite carouge's perspective is not a fun watch um yeah. and the way that they did that was actually really well done too because mm -hmm. from Jacques Agree's perspective he thinks it's a game and she's playing keep away and they they he did a similar scene with like some uh women of the night if you will earlier in the movie so he's he's playing this little game and he says if you run I will chase you or I will catch Ooh. you uh and and so like he he does this little game with like this 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 prostitute earlier in the movie mm -hmm. and he does the same thing with with uh, marguerite and in his perspective when she picks him up you can kind of hear like a giggling like marguerite's giggling and like she's making pleasurable noises uh -huh. because it's from his perspective 
and then when you cut to her perspective of the 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 act um she is terrified and yeah. she is not having any of it and it is it is not a good like it's very uncomfortable i'm i'm glad i wasn't like i didn't i didn't buy any like popcorn or anything because yeah. i'm, I'm kind of glad i didn't because i was like ah i'm very uncomfortable right now but it's a rated r movie so i mean i you know what did i expect about a, a you know a movie about yeah. this subject but the thing of it is is like it's not the greatest way to portray speaking out about someone like about if if if, it, if this has happened to someone mm -hmm. because in the movie she basically outright says i wish i never spoke out about this because i she has a child by oh, the end of the movie wow. she has a child so she's like i wish i had never spoken out about this because her life is in the balance if 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 her husband loses the duel she gets burned to the burned at the stake burned to death essentially mm -hmm. so she, and she has a child now who's going to become an orphan if both of her parents die so she's like i wish i'd never had spoken out about this uh yeah, so that i could good. live with my i could live with my child and i'm like uh, that's not a great message to send to people if this had happened to them uh -uh. but i get it because you have to take in you have to take into account that this is the time period if this was a movie that was based in 2001 and 2002 yeah not a great message to send to people because of the era that they're in but this movie obviously was uh in the 1300s and it's a different it was a different time back then where you know a, a woman's word versus a man's word isn't doesn't hold the same weight overall um i was kind of glad that the entire story wasn't revolved around marguerite because that's what the trailer was uh, seemed like it was it was it was about um these two uh men fighting over this woman i thought the trailer the trailer made it seem like it was all about her mm -hmm. and it is it is kind of all about her but i was glad that they told the entire story from jacques and jean's background from when they were friends in a mm -hmm. in the war up until the point where one of them meets their demise and it's told through like i said through three different pieces and it's it's very well well written and and well told and everything and there's you know there there's parts in the story that are the same scene but different things happen and mm -hmm. it's acted out differently so um you know i go i would go watch it okay. like if if you just if you just like how movies are made this is a good one to watch mm -hmm. um just just be forewarned um you will watch someone get raped twice um mm. and it is very uncomfortable um so Okay, so now if nothing played there, that means I cut out pilot wings this week. Just so oh, okay. you know. <laughs> oh, because I got one right this week I'm, too. <laughs> I'm gonna. I know we're gonna see. I am. I'm, I think I'm gonna keep it in, but just in case, I wanted to give myself a couple seconds to completely cut out of there. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a movie coming out on mm -hmm. October 29th. I don't know if you see it down at the bottom. It's called <laughs> Planet Doom. I did not. Um, never heard of this. What the heck? A crew on a mission to rescue a maroon worms. base on a deserted planet turns deadly when the crew finds oh. themselves hunted and attacked by planet's apex predators, giant No, nope, I know exactly what happened here. We what have, is this? I know exactly what happened here. There's this company out there that releases movies that are very similar to big blockbusters that come out. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know if you ever saw, there was the movie Battle Los Angeles. Yes. There was, a, and there was, a, there was another the one called garbage, Battle LA. Yes. 
yeah. they do they do this thing where they release these movies that sound exactly like other big properties that are out at the moment. And that's exactly what's happening here, you son of a gun. How, Stop how stealing my sandworms. To call, how did they get it to call Planet Dune? Because it's not Dune. It's Planet Dune. So it's it doesn't take place on the same planet. It's just No, called... it, it just is going to look exactly like that planet. What is this movie? It's probably going to be horrible because it's a, it's it's designed it, to be bad. The trailer makes it look bad. It's going like to be the, bad. If you want to put some of the trailer in there, the trailer looks Because what they're banking on happening is people will go see this movie instead of Dune. And they'll make a mm. bunch of money off that. <laughs> because it's called Planet Dune. Yes, exactly. Oh. People will get confused. Oh, oh God. I, I hate that so much. Oh, man. <laughs> but I, I, there is one movie I'm excited about for this week, and that's Antlers. Okay. Um, Because I've seen the trailers for this movie for, like, two years now. And it looks, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, it looks horrifying. So, in an isolated Oregon town, a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become embroiled with their enigmatic student, whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with a legendary ancestral creature who came before them. Essentially, it's about, it's this movie about this kid living in this abandoned house, like, essentially neglected beyond belief who feeds this monster or something every night. And this monster just, like, accepts that he lives there for some reason. It's not explained, and I assume it will be in the movie. But, like, the monster starts breaking out, and it starts hunting people. And this kid essentially cannot live without this monster following him all the time. And Mm. the teacher and, like, the cop essentially start digging into this kid because they realize his home life is horrible, and they kind of find out about this. And it just looks horrifying like legitimately horrifying speaking of this type of movie did you go see lamb yet no it's, i gotta watch it i don't have time oh, <laughs> i okay. gotta see it uh, maybe i'll review that maybe we'll do a double feature because i'm usually really quick about my reviews so i'll do like lamb and antlers so i don't know what i'm gonna go watch this week because there's mm-hmm. not anything that like pops out at me yeah like, at all it's kind of a, be- a dead week in comparison so to all the there- good weeks we've been having Right. There's a movie called The Last Night in Soho, mm. um, which looks interesting. Have you? Uh, it's made by Edgar Wright, and have, I like Edgar Wright movies. Have you seen the trailer for this movie? I haven't. So, so I'm going to watch have. it first. It's really good. Basically, this girl is inhabiting the body of someone in the 60s, and she mm. is living that person's life. And this is a normal girl living essentially the life of a movie star. But what she doesn't realize is this woman's going to be murdered. <laughs> So she is living in the body of someone who is going to die, and she's watching her murderer essentially follow her around. And it looks really good. It looks really atmospheric and, like, Mm kind of fun, but also kind of, like, dreadful. Um, That was another movie that was actually looked really good to me, but... If if I don't go see that one, I'm probably just going to watch the My Hero Academia movie. Because I like (laughs) My My Hero Academia. (laughs) I like My Hero Academia, so, like, it's coming out next week, so I'm like... Okay. Well, on that note, uh, thank you all for watching. Um, Andrew, I know you have something to plug. Yeah, sports and nonsense. Uh, So, like I was saying with this podcast, um, it's going to go up every single Friday morning. So, that's what I'm going to try to shoot for. And uh, hopefully... Brandon can get me the the files to to upload, which yes. he's been pretty good about getting them to me before Friday, so that's good. Uh, so hopefully these will go up Friday morning, uh, and then sports and nonsense. Uh, we usually record that week, but I'm gonna try to put that up every Sunday before the football games for that week go on. So that's kind of like where my headspace is at for like posting stuff. So it's like we talk about the new movies upcoming for this week, and I'm gonna post it in that week 
or on that day and then we're going to talk about like the 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 newer games that are going to be played that week and they're going to go up that sunday too so you know trying to get the ball rolling on like specifics and like you know yeah yeah so like the it'll come out on the at the same time on the same day uh of the same of the same day of the week every single week and that's you know that'll be good for everyone so they're not like where's the new episode so yes but yeah go listen to sports and nonsense i just posted one um or it, the new episode will get posted uh, a couple of days after this one so yes and unlike most weeks i also have something to plug from our corporate overlord jimmy lucars who runs the name pending productions uh youtube and facebook and all those stuff channels um so jimmy is organizing a a um film on gofundme and he's looking for people to donate to his pro to his thing he's actually trying to remake one of the films he made while he was in college and i'm gonna pull up the description here um it's called police three and it's a short film that tackles the issues of mental health and the military head-on the description is sergeant bailey has been in the air force for 10 years and has dealt with a lot her life seems to be crashing down around her and she po- and she's posted alone she's right about to end it all when she receives an unexpected visitor from her past um so I actually was I actually started this movie um, <laughs> when Jimmy was making it back in film school, and I gotta say the script is really good. It's a really good concept, and unfortunately he just didn't have the time or money at the, that point to really like invest into making it. But now he's trying to remake it, and he's trying to make it better and better than ever. So if you could just go to his GoFundMe, it's under it's called Police Three, created by Jimmy Lucars. Um, I'd highly recommend you could donate to it. It's a great concept, and he's a great guy would really uh, be doing us a solid to go help them out the link will be in the description for yes uh this episode and all future episodes uh so uh it'll, if you're watching on youtube the link will be in the description i'll also post it to the link in the audio uh, hopefully that will work i'm not sure how links yes. work and remember a cast box every little bit counts even if it's only a small donation every little bit helps so even something like a dollar or two just donate please donate yep it's for good it's for a good cause because like brandon said it's it goes towards uh uh, mental health awareness in the military which is very important speaking from personal experience from being in the military and seeing people uh including myself uh struggle a lot you know uh you you've you've heard that term 22 a day it's a real thing that uh and it happens in the military and that's trying to want to bring awareness to and if he can get that made professionally and put out to uh different um like um film festivals that'd be amazing yes so we're all for it and on that note i'd like to thank you all for watching this week on hopefully uh hopefully an episode that has a bit of pilot wings in it um i'm brandon gasparino i'm andrew and i will try not to make any more down movie reviews no no watch more (laughs) watch all the good stuff all right thanks for watching y'all we'll see you next time bye